0: dot org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.
1: From KQED. Ah, a foggy day in San Francisco. A guilt-free moment for inside time with a good book and some tea. What kind did you choose? I chose
2: Earl Grey.
1: Mm, Mmm, classic. I went with Oolong. Mm. Now, depending on where you live in the Bay Area, a foggy day also means... Foghorns. And that's what's driving this week's listener question. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randa Deveta from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Hey, I'm Olivia Allen Price, hanging out this week with reporter Laura Clivens. Hello. And this week's question comes from San Francisco resident's Andy McKinnon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Andy. And Jen Liu. All right. And the foghorns are a constant part of the soundtrack of their lives. They live in the sunset near Ocean Beach.
0: So the question starts with us moving to this neighborhood. From the Soma. And so we can see the fog sort of rolling in off the ocean and creeping up the street until our house is completely enveloped by fog. Shortly after that happens, we start hearing fog horns. Sometimes we can hear one of them. Sometimes we can hear two. It sounds like they're at different distances from each other. Sometimes there's even three.
1: It happens when they're awake which Andy really likes.
0: Calmness and serenity.
1: And when they're sleeping, which for Jen is a bit of a shock. What
2: is that? And while the purpose of the foghorn is pretty clear, to help ships and boats navigate safely through the water, Andy and Jen still have a lot of questions. Questions like, one.
0: Where are these foghorns? Two. How many of them are there? Three. Why we still use them? And four. Who or what turns them on?
2: Since Jen and Andy say the sounds they hear seem to rarely come from the same place, let's first find out where are they and how many are
1: there. Sounds like one of us is going to have to go out into the fog and do some reporting.
2: It's going to be me, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's you.
2: Let's go to Yerba Buena Island, right in the middle of the Bay Bridge, with John Sherwood. He's a petty officer in the Coast Guard, and one of his jobs is to maintain foghorns and other signals that are essentially the road signs of the water.
3: So we're looking at a chart of San Francisco Bay. Um, The Point Bonita Lighthouse is, is at the entrance to San Francisco Bay. It says that there's a horn there.
2: Sherwood's map shows 11 foghorns that the Coast Guard operates in the bay.
3: We have horns located at Point Bonita, Yerba Buena Island, Alcatraz Island, Angel Island.
2: They have different sounds and play at different intervals.
3: So if you hear it in the fog, you know which point of land is nearby. We
2: walk out into the parking lot, a place full of 20-foot-long metal buoys on their sides.
3: So the area that we're in right now is uh, one of the Coast Guard's buoy depots. They restore buoys that have been taken out of service for for different reasons and then put them back into the field.
2: Turns out foghorns are not the only sound makers guiding ships on the water. These buoys are too, and they're equipped with noisemakers other than horns.
3: These are pieces of the gongs here, and you can see they're obviously used, but they're going to be reused because they'll still make noise when you hit them. (laughs) And then, uh, again, pieces of the whistles here.
2: Out on the bay, you may hear... A bell,
3: a gong, or a whistle. All helping ships navigate.
2: From land, I don't hear those. I just hear what
3: I believe to be foghorn. It's more likely that you don't recognize them.
2: So who knows? Maybe some whistles are making it to Andy and Jen's place, and they don't even know they're hearing them.
1: So wait a minute. How many foghorns are we really talking about here?
2: It's roughly 30, including ones operated by the Coast Guard and private organizations. Plus a whole flurry of other sounds, and those are things like what we heard from buoys.
1: It seems like they're everywhere.
2: They are. We've got them on islands, by lighthouses, on bridges, and even on ships.
1: Quite an orchestra out there. Yes. Okay, so for our next question about foghorns, here are Andy and Jen again.
0: Why do we still use it if... We have these highly sophisticated navigational systems these days.
1: I mean, they have some guesses.
0: To generate a feeling of of calmness and serenity in the fog. Except San Francisco for what it is, a foggy city.
2: (laughs) To answer this one, let's go up north to Vallejo, right by the Carquinez Bridge, to a very, very big boat. We're climbing up the steps of a gleaming white ship, It weighs over 10,000 tons. Ahead of us is Captain Harry Bolton.
4: This is the Golden Bear. It's the United States Training Ship Golden Bear. We have a bear up on the stack. That's sort of our mascot. My son uh, calls us the bear boat.
2: (laughs) We're at CSU Maritime, a university that trains its students in the ways of the sea. This cruiser is docked right here in the water off campus. So where
4: are we going right now? This is the ship's bridge or a wheelhouse. Wow, it's we beautiful in here. Simulator.
2: Here in Bolton's command center, he pulls a covering off of two large computers.
4: These are the latest, greatest technology in the world today. The ship's radars and electronic navigation systems. But there's many small boats out there that don't have this equipment.
2: So those little guys, if they're surrounded in crazy fog, still need sounds to help them get around.
4: And so we sound the fog signals So if they don't have this equipment, they can avoid hitting us.
2: So when Andy and Jen can't seem to place where a foghorn is coming from, when it seems like it's a moving target, it's because it might actually be that, a horn coming from a ship.
4: Now hear this, now hear this. We'll be testing the ship's whistle. We'll be testing the ship's whistle. That is all.
2: Bolton flips a bright red switch and we step out onto the chilly deck and we wait.
4: She jump. Just like you jumped. Uh, most people do jump when they uh, when they hear it. So it does its job. It does its job.
1: Whew, that was loud. I can't imagine what it would be like to stand right next to one of those guys.
2: Well, it's funny you should mention that because our listener Andy actually has a secret dream.
0: That you can volunteer to put a foghorn on your house. And when it's foggy, you can turn it on yourself.
1: And that brings us to Jen and Andy's last question, which was... Who or what turns on the foghorns?
0: Now,
2: a lot of foghorns these days are automatic. Like on Angel Island, there's a foghorn that has a sensor detecting particulates in the air, and if there are a lot, the foghorn sounds. Mm-hmm. But some, even some very important foghorns like those on the Golden Gate Bridge, require a human to flip a switch or press a button. To go check this out, let's meet up with Mario Torito. Uh,
3: uh. <laughs>
2: That's him doing a foghorn impression. He's really good. He should be. He's been working with the Golden Gate Bridge District for almost 37 years. The Golden Gate Bridge has five foghorns total. Two of them face out towards the ocean and then two face in to the bay and then one is back up. Torito says when the foghorns first blasted after the bridge opened in the 30s.
5: There was a lot of complaints by the uh, citizens of San Francisco because they were kept awake. They're pretty loud. They they run 149 decibels.
2: And FYI, the threshold for pain when you hear a sound is 140 decibels. So, the people working on the bridge redirected the foghorns more towards the center of the bay.
5: And then uh, the Alcatraz prisoners were complaining that it was interrupting their sleep.
2: But those complaints were pretty much ignored, so the foghorns stayed that way. So let's go see this classic foghorn, the type that comes up as a favorite when I ask the nautical experts. It's the foghorn that literally moves you.
5: If you're standing next to it, it vibrates your bones.
2: To get there, we have to go down. 240 feet through a secret door that if you've ever walked across the Golden Gate Bridge, you have passed and likely not noticed. Then we squeeze into a tiny elevator elevator? inside the south tower of the bridge.
5: How big would you say it is? It's the size of a phone booth, four by three.
2: When we scramble out, we're just 40 feet above the bay waves.
5: This is amazing. As you you can see we're on the south Tower. We uh, had an original air tank for the Foghorns that was put in here in 1937 and it rusted out about a year ago and we got two new air tanks.
2: So they work by pushing
5: air through the horns? Yes. Compressed air? Compressed air at 120 pounds. That air
2: is pumped to these tanks from a building right by the bridge toll booths.
5: And here I got you. I got you some bridge money here. This is people throwing money off. Oh
2: my God! Making wishes
5: and it lands on the on the concrete. Oh, well, thank so you. Now...
2: This is so exciting. This is quite a view. Do you feel pretty special that you have this job? Yes,
5: I do. It's nice being out in the middle of the bay. <laughs>
2: yeah. And then. So this is the foghorn. It's, uh... Right here with the foghorn. It's beautiful. It looks like a four-foot-long international orange tuba. And it really is beautiful. So if it were to go off right now, we'd be... be deaf. We'd be deaf. You'd be deaf. We oh. shove neon earplugs in, and Torito radios the engineers, real people, sitting up in that office right by the SF Bridge toll plaza to blow the foghorns. And the way they operate something very old is through something very new, a touchscreen monitor. While it's not foggy in the slightest, they do it. For me, for you, for Andy and Jen. How do you feel? Are your questions answered?
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm sorry we missed out on the field trip. That sounds really cool. We can't volunteer to put a foghorn on our house. That's like the biggest bummer of everything.
1: That's too bad for Andy.
2: Yeah. But I think Jen may actually appreciate it, you know, when she's trying to sleep. All the parts of my body, like any part with fat on it just vibrates.
1: Andy McKinnon and Jen Liu, thank you so much for your question. And to our three experts on the sounds of the sea,
2: thank you. You guys were awesome.
1: Laura Clivens, I had so much fun today. Thank you. Thank you, Olivia. We put a new voting round up on baycurious.org, so go cast your vote for what question we answer next. Or, better yet, ask a question of your own. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Find me on Twitter. I'm O. Allen Price. Stay curious.
6: Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's Trivia Game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest running pillow fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck!